Thank you, Jesus. Most of us already know uh, Minister Ali and his dear wife, Sister Angela. Uh, they are very somewhat new to not just our community, but to our congregation as friends. Uh, myself and Ali connected uh, for prayer for many mornings. And uh, he shared, they shared on Wednesday night. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, uh, the fact that the glory of God came down and Wednesday night service, I believe, went uh, into 8.20, almost 8.30, and nobody was thinking about fried chicken. The glory of God came down. And uh, I was not there, wasn't feeling too well, but spoke to Pastor Ron the next day, and he said, I put my stamp on that as a man of God. And it would be a good thing if we hear from Brother Ali again and his wife on Sunday morning. You pray about it, and I did. Holy Spirit gave me the clearance. And I think there's a word for you this morning from Brother Ali. Not going to spend much time telling you about acolytes and degrees and all of that stuff. Uh, I just want you to receive him as my blood brother in the faith and the man of God who is being led by the Spirit. Ali, would you come forward, my friend? Thank you, Jesus. Give God a hand. Get the, uh, brother DJ and... Uh, uh, Chip, would you guys come forward for one moment? Help me. Brother Ali feels he's like Pastor Ron. He really likes to stand here. Would you all assist me in moving the communion table just over to this area here? And then we'll move the podium down to the center of the aisle. Oh, you guys are awesome. Look at, look at the care. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, we're going to move this down. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Chip. Thank you, DJ. Well, good morning. How are we feeling this morning? We're blessed. Every time we're in the presence of the Lord, we should be feeling blessed. We should be feeling excited, not emotionally, but knowing from our hearts that God's joy in us is able to carry us through anything that we might be facing, anything that we might be going through. So when I say, how are you doing? I'm not talking from the area of the flesh. I'm talking from internally, deep down within you. How are you really doing? Because that's where joy comes from. So how are you doing this morning? We're doing great. Amen. It's so good to be here and to just share with you the word of God. But before I get into that, I want to take this moment to... Thank uh, Pastor Ross and those that were here on Wednesday. You remember I told you that Pastor Ross actually texted me. Um, I'm echoing and all that. I don't know if uh, I can use the hand mic if this is a problem. Um, I spoke to Pastor Ross. Texted me in the morning on Wednesday because Pastor Ross was not feeling well and he asked me to share what I sense Father was has put in my heart and. Um, and God really glorified himself. And I just want to take this moment to just to thank Pastor Ross just for the opportunity and the recognition of the gifts of the Spirit in other people uh, that are within the body. 
And uh, just to give honor where honor is due, thank you so much, men of God. And may God really show you even other people that might be even sitting in this room that are carrying on the inside of them the giftings that are supposed to be shared with the body of Christ. So can we give Pastor Ross a, a hand? It is very important to recognize things like that because it's not normal. And I've been in the ministry for 22 years, and I, I started at the age of 18. Uh, tomorrow I'm turning 40, uh, which is a good thing. And I say to people that, listen, um, I'm not going to be in my 40s. I'm going to be 40. I'm going to be in my 40s next year. There's a big difference. There are people that are in their 40s. I'm just going to be 40. So, so, and what I'm saying with that is that I've had a long journey in the ministry, and I've seen leaders, and I've seen people, uh, and I've seen the insecurity again in the leaders of giving other, other leaders and other people that are called by God platform because it threatens a lot of them in them. So to see that in you, that needs to be recognized. And that's why I don't take it for granted. And thank you to uh, Pastor Ron and Miss Judy. They've also really embraced us since we've come into this body and we learned so much. We spoke so much. We had coffees and all that, you know. And thank you so much for really embracing us. And Pastor Ron said to me, you must tell them you're from South Africa. Maybe say, I must tell you that so that when you don't hear me clearly, you need to listen very, very carefully because there are some words that are not pronounced like the southerners will pronounce certain words. I don't say water, I say water. Yes. So when you say water, you must know that I talk about water. I'm not talking about a strange creature. Or <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Ron said there's still time to get it right. But yeah, it's... They say it's never too late to learn, but yeah, that one particular thing, I think, <laughs> I will learn some ways just so that we can hear each other. All right, let's just pray this morning. Dear Holy Spirit, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have mandated us here this morning, together with my wife, to present, Father, to your people what you want them to hear in this time and the dispensation that, Father, we find ourselves in as as the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that as your vessel, you're going to speak through uh, through me this morning, God, and that you're going to do what you have intended to do and that nothing will sabotage what you need to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you don't know my wife, that's my wife. Um, the reason why I did not introduce her, there's a few things that she's going to share later on so you get to hear about and hear, hear about her story as well and her journey, of, in, part, in particular to what I'll be talking about. That's Angel and our son, uh, Ben. So, yeah, thank you. On Wednesday, I spoke about what one of the elements that Pastor brought in this year And one of the themes there was cultivating the spirit of discernment. Cultivating the spirit of discernment. And as I was really pondering and preparing this, the Lord said to me, if there is one gift in the body of Christ that has been neglected and that has been painted with a black paint is the gift of discernment. And what I've seen over years, what has happened is that when, whenever you talk about discernment, people will quickly associate it to the demonic things that you have to pick up and deliverance. But seldom do we wait and ask ourselves, why would God want us to have the spirit of discernment? And, and perhaps put it there actually as one of the spiritual gifts. And the Lord said the reason why the church is the way it is today and the church is not understanding the moves and the things that is happening around in the world is because the church has lost the spirit of discernment. The church can no longer discern because discernment has been painted with a black paint. Anytime you talk about discernment, people think you're going to talk about deliverance. And it's deeper than that. 
And I want to read you this, and I never got to do this on Wednesday, just to bring a distinction between discernment as a function and discernment as a spiritual gift. Because I believe with all of my heart that every believer sitting here listening to me, they, you have to walk and have, you have the function of discernment. Just by being a believer. And I don't know how we can survive sometimes to go into this world and not be able to discern what is happening around us. Not to be able to discern what is even happening at your workplace because I tell you, some of you, you are in struggles in your workplaces and some of the things that you're thinking, you're fighting in your workplaces are nothing but spirits that are trying to undermine what God wants to do in your life. And you have been thinking that you are fighting with just normal things and people gossiping about you or people trying to to undermine you or sabotage the things that you're supposed to do. But meanwhile, you have been fighting with spirits. But the problem is we are not able to discern what this is. And some of you in your family, the things that you have been fighting in your families for generation after generation, some of you think those are just patterns of your families, but it's not patterns of your families. Some of those things are, the, are spirits and you cannot even discern what the problem is. And everybody in your family goes around the same mountain. And you have embraced it and said, this is a part of the Jones. The Jones battle with this. If you are born in the Jones, you should understand this is the package that comes with being one of the Jones. And as a believer, you have accepted that and you have become a victim over something that God has given you the ability as a believer to discern and call it by name and say, don't you know the Bible said that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even this spirit that my family has been battling with for many years has to bow down to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we are busy pampering the enemy. We are busy pampering and massaging the things and the plans of the enemy that has had in our families for many years. I don't know why I have to stick to this thing of family. Because I believe there are some people here this morning, I didn't even prepare it, it's not in my nose, and I'm not just going to move away from it. Because I'm not bound by my nose, I'm led by the spirit. So I'm going to wait on it and drill on it a little bit. Because there are some of you, I believe, that are sitting in this room that there are battles of your family that has been a repetition of things that has happened. It started with your grandfather. Now your grandmother had it. Now your mother had it. Now you have it. Now little Johnny has it. Now little Johnny's son has it. And you're all thinking that this is just a pattern of the family. But the problem is you are not able to discern what is happening and you're accepting things in the spirit that you're not supposed to accept. And because you're accepting them, in the spirit, your life starts to move in a direction that is not supposed to be moving in. Because you don't recognize. You have, we have painted the gift, we have painted discernment with a black paint. It is not for me. Discernment is not suspicion. Discernment I'll say like you say, it's not suspicion. How do you pronounce it? Suspicion. suspicion. I'll say suspicion because you pronounce it. Discernment is not suspicion. Discernment is not the gift of being suspicious. Come on now. And the reason why there's been so much judgment in the church when people walk through the doors and we look at them, they remind us of people that did something to us and I start becoming suspicious. And people come in the church, they get judged. People don't even want to have nothing to do with the church because some of us, we have been hurt, we have been broken, things have happened to us. And when they come in, I look at them, I think, yeah, this one reminds me of so and so. And I start tiptoeing around you because I'm suspicious. That is not from the spirit. You need to allow God to give you, actually, that you already have it. You need to allow God to help you manifest the gift, you know, to manifest. Your ability of forgiveness, you need to forgive. And it's even so bad that some of us, the enemy have robbed us of relationships that were supposed to be, they were supposed to be a fountain of life for us. 
And because just because somebody came up looking like that last thing or last person that nothing, last person that broke your heart and now you just reject them because they remind you of something in your past that looks like how they look. And now you push away the very help that the Lord is bringing to you. You see, I'm going to touch on this. And it's very cultural. It's something that I've seen since I've been here. And I told my wife it bothered me. And I realized that, you know what? It is a spirit behind this. I said to my wife, it feels like since I've been here, sometimes I'll go to a person and genuinely want to help them. Sometimes when it comes to financial things, financial matters, somebody's going through something, Maybe I don't have the thousand that you need. I've got 20 bucks. I want to give you the 20 bucks. Already somebody said, no, 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 I don't need that. No, no, I don't need that. No. We once bought a couple something that we saw, and I told this couple that we've got this item at home. You know, it's so amazing, and they were so happy. They heard about it, and there was a special. Then we went and bought them this item and brought it to them. Oh, you didn't have to. Oh, oh, yeah, you didn't have to. I mean, mm. and I looked at it, I'm thinking, I said to my wife, what's happening? It's a gift. Embrace it. Say thank you. Be excited. But I never realized the spirit behind it. You see, the person could not receive because them, but if they receive something, they would think you're thinking that they are and that has robbed a lot of people from receiving a lot of things from God and I see it's, an, it's somehow like I don't know I don't say American but I've seen it as a southern thing no I can work hard for myself you work hard because God has given you the strength that you have is a gift from God he can take the strength away you have nothing to show and somebody's coming to help you and say, yeah, let, me, let, me help. Not, let me give you a gift. No, I can work for myself. It's a spirit of pride and arrogance. And the spirit of individualism that I don't need anybody around me. I can do it on my own. That is why a lot of us find ourselves so depressed, so much in anxiety because we live in isolation. And we are on medication that you're not supposed to be on and we are medicating something that is a result of loneliness because we have pushed everyone away from us. God said, you know what, the, what he said? He said, he said, it's not good for men to be alone. It was not just relating to you, me, so somebody having a wife. It is not good for us to be alone. Isolation is not good. The four pillars of the apostles, what did they say they did? They first fellowship, right? Took bread together, which is communion. They worshipped together, and they followed the principles, observed the principles of the apostles. Why would fellowship be with the four pillars that the New Testament church was doing if fellowship was not important? Are you following me this morning? I am, I am putting my foot on what I sense in my spirit I need to say about this thing about discernment. That most of us, the things that we're thinking we're battling with, you're not battling with them. You just have not practiced to listen to what God is saying. It is hard to discern if you cannot hear God. Jesus said, my sheep hears my voice. All of us seated in this room, we are sheep, right? I'm sheep. And sheep has a shepherd. Psalm 23, what does David say? The Lord is my shepherd. David was a king. If a king can say he has a shepherd, I think all of us, we can say we also have a shepherd. If a man like David can say, God is my shepherd, we all have a shepherd. But the word says, my sheep Hears my voice. That's what Jesus said. Right. And it just tells us that everybody is able to 
hear God. You're supposed to hear God, but not, that's, not, that's not all of our reality. That's not the reality that we all have. We, some of us, it's hard to hear God. And I was talking to my wife during the week. I said, you know, I grew up close to the villages. And here's the thing with the shepherd. I used to even tell her that even when it comes to, we have this donkey, donkey carts, you know, there will be like we have horse carts. And we, have, we had donkey carts. There was something about those donkeys that were growing. If that thing is not, if that donkey is not your donkey, you can whip it. You can just, it will not move. There is a certain kind of whistle that the owner of the donkey has to make for the donkey to move. They will whistle in a different kind of way. They'll do something, something like that. And if you cannot do like a whistle, that donkey is not going to move. Even with shepherds, the story that I had that if you can get 100 sheep that are just sitting there and 50 of those sheep belong to a certain shepherd, there are certain sounds that the shepherd will stand there and make, and the 50 sheep that belong to that shepherd will come out and follow that shepherd. So when Jesus says, my sheep hears my voice, he's actually saying that you will not confuse other noises around you that the enemy is making, that life is making, that circumstances, the circumstances are making, you will be able to detect that this is God speaking to me and he said I should move this direction. But if you don't have discernment, it doesn't matter how much Jesus can scream at you, you will not be able to hear. And we are sitting in the church thinking that discernment is all about casting devils. Young people like Davion, he will need to know when he finishes school to discern what it is that he's supposed to study. That has nothing to do with the demon. And you can mess that thing up and study for three years and realize that you're so miserable and terrible and start all over again because you are not able to hear. Even when it comes to marriage. And the enemy is so happy with us not talking about the gift of discernment because he knows that if we can be able to practice the gift of discernment, the church of Jesus Christ will move to places where it's supposed to be. So as long as you think that discernment is about spiritual stuff, it's just about demons and everything, you will never be able to reach out to what God wants you to do. Listen to this description of discernment. He says, it means... To discern, distinguish, judge, appraise a person, statement, or a situation, or even the environment. And in the New Testament, it says to us is to be able to distinguish between the evil and the good spirit. And I want to read you a scripture so that you know I'm not just saying these things flying thoughts to you that have nothing to do with God. When you go to 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 it says beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirit to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. It doesn't say prophet, test the spirit. It doesn't say pastor, test the spirit. It doesn't say apostle, test the spirit. It says what? Beloved. Which means all of us. Test the spirit to see if whatever you're going through, whatever it is, is, is whether it's from God or from the false prophets. Discernment as a function. Discernment in itself is a function that you're supposed to have. And casting out of demons is not a spiritual gift. It's a right of every believer. 
Why is it so? Why is it so? Greater is who, who? Greater is the one that lives on the inside of you than the one in the world. He said, I have given you power to what? To trample upon. Scorpions, right? We know those scriptures. The problem is that it's not whether we don't know or we know. The problem is we think these things are reserved for special people. I remember I got saved on July the 7th, 1998. I will never forget that day. Because something happened on that day that I could not put my mind around it. I went to a church. My grandmother is one of those hardcore Christian ladies. She told me that tonight there's a revival at church. There's a preacher that is coming over. And if you're not going to go to church tonight, you are not going to eat. I like my food. And as an American, you think that's impossible. I mean, you can always find food. No, you don't know my grandmother. She will lock the fridge. She had the key to the refrigerator. I am not joking. She will lock the refrigerator, put the food that she's cooked in the cupboards that has a key, and lock the food in. You think, was she abusive? No way. She was not abusive. And I'm glad she did that. And now we talk about it as a joke. She said, son, if you don't go to church today, you are not eating. And I knew she meant it. So I went to church that evening. Very angry. 18-year-old, I sat down and I looked at everybody in the church. I thought I'm cooler than everybody in here because I was so much into hip-hop. I was wearing my big, just back in those days with big jeans and Timberlands. I sat down and looked at things. They didn't look cool. They're wearing ties and all that. What is this that they're wearing? So I sat there. As I sat there, the preacher went to the front. As soon as the preacher grabbed the microphone, I don't know what happened. Like literally. He spoke. I thought he spoke for three minutes. And the, only, the, the thing that I had after I came back from the place that I don't know what, what the place was, was him saying, you might be sitting here tonight. God is inviting you to come be saved. And as he said that, I had a voice say to me, God said, this is your day, you need to get up and do this, and your life will never be the same again. I got up without hearing a sermon. I went, the man prayed for me. When I went back with my cousin, I asked my cousin, how long did that man preach? He said, that man preached long, man, for over an hour. I said, for over an hour? I said, I did not hear anything that he said. I said, something came over me. I don't know what it was. I felt, I did not understand that that was the presence of God. I experienced the presence of God without even being saved. The spirit of God came to on me so much that I thought it was just three minutes. But it was an hour of just being not aware of my surroundings. And when I, when I got out of that, it was when this man said, you might be sitting here tonight. God has been speaking to you. He's calling you to come and give your life to the Lord. And a voice said to me, you need to get up. This is your day. And I'm telling you all these things, people, not, not because I'm going to show you that if God can touch an 18-year-old that did not want to go to church, he just went to church because he wanted to eat. And he, he allowed his Holy Spirit to come upon me. If God can take so much effort to get me, what more can he do about you as a child of God who you confess him to be your Lord? And four days after that, I went with my pastor, who was my aunt of the church. She was actually the first in the region, the first female Baptist pastor. I went with her, and my, my aunt was so full of the spirit. They went to a woman's house, and my aunt said, come with. Four days saved, four days. 18-year-old, the only prayer I could pray is our Father, which are in heaven, because they taught us that in South Africa in schools. And I could recite Psalm 23, because they taught me that in schools. I was from the Anglican background. You know about Anglican church? Church of the... I came from that church, so I knew nothing about the spirit. I did not know scriptures. I did not know even how you prayed. Say, Father God, I thank you. I did not have those fancy words at all. I stood at the back. They went to a woman's house. 
This woman, for six years, they've been, her and her husband had been trying to fall pregnant. They could not have a child. And this woman had growth on her belly that looked like woman's chest coming out. And it came from the inside. For six years, doctors they were trying to find out what was wrong with her. They could not find out anything. They did not know what was wrong with it. I was standing at the bed. I heard a voice say to me, I'm four days saved. Now, four days, not four years, four days saved. I can't pray. I don't know. I don't know. I only know Psalm 23. I had the Lord say to me, God tell you. I just had a voice. I didn't even know it was God. But it so compelled me. Say, God tell your aunt, this woman will be healed and be pregnant in three months. 18. I was 18, Davian. I was 18. No information. I went to my aunt. I said, there's something that I'm, I don't know what it is, but in three months, this woman will be healed and will be pregnant. My aunt told the woman. They didn't even pray. Actually, they might have asked me to pray. I did not know how to pray. I think I just said, God, thank you that in three months she would be pregnant and she would be healed. Six years they've been trying to find out what is wrong with her. Her and her husband have been trying to have a child. They never have a child. Six months later, I was away. My, my aunt calls me just before the days of the cell phone. So she calls me. So we talk. Then I say, hey, what happened to that woman six, six months ago that we prayed for? So, oh, goodness me, I forgot to tell you. She said, immediately after we prayed for her, on Monday she went to the doctor. The doctors discovered what was wrong with her. She went through surgery. They removed that thing. She's now pregnant. I don't want you to be impressed with me because I was only four days saved. I did not even know how to pray. I did not know scriptures. And some of you are sitting in this room this morning and I'm here to tell you some of you have been saved for a very long time and the spirit of God is living on the inside of you and you are able to discern, you are able to move with the gift of God but sometimes our mind messes up with us because we are full of information that is wrong and the enemy is fine with you being fed the information. Oh, I'm, I'm a person. I've had people, I'm a person of the word. I'm a man of the word. But I said, how is it working for you because you're under oppression? I'm going to ask my wife to come just now. I'm going to read this scripture. This is what actually happened on Wednesday because you realize there's so much that is in this thing of discernment. But you want to distinguish between the spiritual gift and in terms of discernment. I had it on me four days of being saved. Nobody taught me. It's good to be taught. Because I can articulate scriptures now and read scriptures and do all these things because somebody taught me. But when God's favor is on you with the giftings that he has given you, you need to step out and do what God is telling you to do. And I want to say this before my wife comes, that the gift or discernment does not work in isolation. I said this on Wednesday. Discernment never works in isolation. Because for me to be able to prophesy, I need to discern. For me to practice the gift of healing, I can come to Pastor Ron, and Pastor Ron can come to me and say, listen, I have a headache. And I start praying for him. As I pray for him, something can come and say, what about the pain in the stomach? That is discernment. So it's like for every other gift that we need to practice, we need to be strong in discernment. But we have put discernment in the background. And we, that's why maybe, that might be the reason why maybe we are not being moving with the gifts of the Spirit in this generation. Because we have neglected to cultivate the spirit of discernment. Because we only thought that it's about demons casting devils and being kicking the devil around. I want to tell you that every person sitting here, I cannot... I want to emphasize it to you. You are able to discern. You are able. You have it in you. I'm telling you, I don't care who says. You've got it in you. You've got it. You've got it. You've got it because you have the spirit that lives on the inside of you. 
And it's not even about the things of the spiritual. It's also about the practical things. I remember when Brother Daniel shared, he shared about these stories, about what happened at work and what God said to him. That was discernment, my brother. Because he knew when to release this one, what to say, what not to say, not to go to somebody that something that looked like an opportunity and the God said, don't go. Imagine if you did not discern. Brother Daniel, you will be in trouble. But because you recognized the voice of God and you discerned, you stayed there and God came to prove to you that it was me. I'll finish with this and I'm going to allow my wife to come share this because time just flies. The book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 32. It says, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best cause for Israel to take. The sons of Issachar, 200 of them, they led the whole entire Israel. Not because they were busy casting out devils. It says they understood the times and knew what must be done. It was a corporate thing that is happening that the church is missing today. We don't have corporate discernment. We wait and, and worship leaders. We look to man while God is saying, my spirit lives on the inside of every one of you and there are certain things that God is not going to release about this nation until the body of Christ come together to discern the time about this nation so that this nation can know how to pray. But the problem is that we're busy looking unto man and say, oh, Ali, you are a prophet. What is the Lord saying? No, you have the spirit of discernment in you as the body of Christ. Imagine if you could all come together as assembly church and say, God, what, what is happening in the spiritual realm in Florence? Reveal to us. And the Lord comes to reveal to 10 of us, 100 of us, and we stand together and pray according to what God has, has released to us over Florence. Imagine Imagine what will happen in Florence. But we are busy looking to man. We put pressure on man. We are busy as the church sitting on weapons in the spirit. We are equipped. We are like somebody that they give you a car keys and they say, this is your car. You go crank the car. All you do is just rev on that car. And you think just because the car is making noise, you think that something is happening. No, nothing is happening until the car starts to move. And all we need to do, we are like a, by a gas station. We crank the car. We rev the car until the gas goes out. And we go to the gas tank and refill the car because that's what has been happening. We've been coming to church. We need to be filled. But we're just there making noise and making all this noise and not engaging in what the Spirit of God is saying. Some of you, you need to move into the things that God has been telling you to do. Some of you have been praying for so long over things that God said to you, you need to step out. And we have hidden behind prayer. Yep, we have hidden behind, I'm, I'm praying about it. And we're always looking for a new word. It's amazing how people can run around looking for a new word. God will never release to you a new word until you do the old word that he told you to do. We're always looking for a new move, but God has given you a move already. Until you move in the thing that God told you to do previously, he's not going to release a new thing. Because don't you know that obedience is better than sacrifice? Obedience is better than you coming and saying, I'm going to a prayer meeting. I'm going to my war room. You can go to your war room for 100 years, but until you get up, Abraham, and go to the land that I will show you, you will not enter into that land. Until you get up, Moses, and go to my people and set them free. Until you get up and move away from the burning bush, because most of us want the burning bush experience. The burning bush was a place where God wanted to release a command, but he did not want Moses to remain at the burning bush. You can build revival around it and call it a conference. We're just going to a conference. God is going to tell you the same thing he told you the last revival. 
What God needs from the church today is for the church to be obedient, to understand that it's in obedience that, the, that God moves the planet. My wife is going to share a testimony because the Lord said to me this morning that there are people that are bullied at workplaces. Bullied. You know bullies? You know school you have people that bully people. Bully. Say bully. bully. Yeah, it's called a bullying. I pronounce it like it is bullying. <laughs> so you have bullies. You know people that bullies. You know the kids at school. It, how do you say that? I don't, I don't want anybody to miss this. Bullying. 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 Yeah. There are people that are bullied at, the, at their workplaces. And you have been thinking that you are in a normal fight. You have been trying to get through it through HR, trying to do this, trying to do that. And you have been working around and working around it for many years. And some of you are even on, your health is starting to be affected by that. And the Lord said, it's the spirit that needs to be bound. But the problem is that we don't know what is it that we're binding. We don't understand what is it because we don't understand the times. And I'm going to, I just want my wife to really share this. I'm going to sit with my son. He's... <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just so excited about this word. When my husband told me he was going to preach this, I just felt that just that leaping in my spirit. But I just want to share this testimony with you because I want you to understand something. That God wants to break you free in your workplace God wants to break you free from any control of any spirit in any place in your life because he wants you to be able to discern what that spirit is, what it's doing, and that you have the authority in Jesus Christ that you can speak to that thing and that thing will have no authority over you, over your family, over your children, over your children's children, over kids that don't even exist yet. Are you with me? So, so there was this place. Actually, I thought about it. It's actually 10 years to this very day on March 1st. I started a job. I was at working for this university. And I started actually as a part-time instructor for English. And I started working. And I thought, okay, bless God. This is the direction that the Lord wants me to go into. And within three months, the Lord promoted me to department head for arts and sciences. And I knew that that was the Lord because of how that happened. That's another testimony in itself. And I just blessed God, wow, three months, now I moved from a cubicle, now I got my own office and got my name on the door, and you know, now I'm hiring people, I'm over staff, and actually had never even done this because I'd worked for church, um, worked for churches for years, and, but the Lord had called me back into education because I was doing it part-time. And so here I am, I am you know, in this position, and so there was only one other department head at this university, so now it's just the two of us. It was me and this one other lady, and then there was a campus director, and then our campus president. And so she was just kind of like, you know, wow, you know, you just came in here and you hadn't even been doing this long, and basically you have the same position that I have. And you know, I'm just thinking, well, you know, yeah, you know, of course I'm at work, so I'm not saying bless God, but that's what I really wanna say. So, you know, I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's a great opportunity. I'm looking forward to working with you. Did not realize that that was a switch for that particular woman. And from that point, she began to just be just mean. I mean, have you just met somebody that's just mean for no reason? You hadn't done them anything. You You didn't say anything to them. You didn't talk about their mama. They just mean. And I just was kind of trying to think of, you know, in meetings, staff meetings, she would undercut what I said. She would talk over me. Um, She would just do all of these different things. And I just couldn't understand. I mean, to the point, I mean, it got so bad. To the point, I would be, I would have my classroom door open. I would be in the middle of teaching a lecture. She would walk in, stick her head in and say, Miss Davis ain't teaching y'all nothing. She don't know nothing. Y'all ain't learning anything. I know y'all ain't learning anything in front of my students. And I would have to, you know, just say, okay, can, can you please go? I need to finish my lecture. In the middle of, of, I mean, in front of students, not even think anything twice about it. And like I said, we would be in meetings, and she would just under, end up undercutting what I had to say. If I had a suggestion, she had one better If I had some kind of idea, something we wanted to do on campus that wasn't going to work because of X, Y, and Z, I mean, she literally like had it out for me. 
even to the point where I started hiring staff for my department and I'm training them to work in my department. She began to even turn the people that I was hiring against me, saying that I didn't know what I was doing, that they could do my job better. I mean, it was just, when I tell you, she, it was out for me. And to be honest, I didn't know what I was dealing with. I just thought this lady was broken, she had issues, and she just didn't like the fact that I was being promoted. That's honestly what I thought. It wasn't until it began to switch and become personal because here I am, I'm about 33 at this time. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking of all the things that I desire from the Lord. I desire to get married. I wanted God to do something awesome in my life at that time. Of course, at 33, everybody asking you at the family function, when you're getting married, when you're having kids, that's like every question that they ask you, right? And so I'm trusting the Lord. I'm waiting for God. And so we were in the break room one day, and she was talking about, you know, well, are you dating anybody? And I said, no. Um, I said, I'm just trusting the Lord for my husband. Because now we, we're in break room now. So I'm, I'm communicating, this is who I am. I'm trusting the Lord. And so she said, so, but, but you're not, you know, in, being intimate and, you know, doing the wrong things before getting married. And I said, no. She said, well, how are you going to know if this is the right one unless you test it? before you get married. And I said, you know what, but I don't believe in that. I don't think that that's the way you're supposed to do it. And she said, girl, there's no way you're going to find a good man and not give him some before you get married. I mean, those are the words. And I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's not how I feel. So in front of the break room, there's other people there. She said, you know what, it's, it's, this is just, you know, the, your, your eggs are going to shrivel up and die. And you're going, to live, you're going to live and die alone, is what she said. I knew immediately that was not her speaking. That was a spirit from the pit of hell. Because it was speaking to a place that I was already vulnerable. I'm already trusting God, hoping and waiting and trusting the Lord. And she began to speak to a place that was going to right here. And I said, you know what? I realized what she said. And I said, you know what? I just looked at her and I just smiled and I went out and there was a particular floor in the building where our school was and I'll go into the last stall in that particular bathroom. It literally was my prayer closet at work. I went into that bathroom stall and I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke these words over my life. My eggs will not shrivel up and die and I will not die alone. I thank you, Father. I don't have to sleep with the man before I marry him to find a good one. And I said, Lord, I thank you that, this, that, that none of these words have any power over my life. And I realized from that moment I needed to discern what was happening, what spirit I was dealing with. The spirit of deception, the spirit of lying, all of those things. I mean, there were so many spirits within that situation. And I began to remember that God says, I have authority over these things. And I began to bind. Come on. It wasn't in a place where I could cast out. But I could bind those, uh, the operation of those spirits that it would no longer affect me. And literally, it got even worse from that point. Because, you know, we always think that, you know, when you say that prayer, it's like magic, right? And it just always disappears. No, 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 no. I had to, had to deal with this for almost a year at work. Come on. It'd be nice if I said I prayed a prayer and then the next day she was gone and it was no longer a problem. But I promise you that was not the circumstance. I, it was almost a year of this taunting and taunting. And it wasn't probably until about even six months into the situation that I knew what was really going on. And then I began to really realize how I needed to pray versus how I was, how I was praying. And then I began to discern what was going on. So I began to bind those spirits that were in operation. I mean, even to the point after she had said that to me, she sent an email of a skeleton sitting on a bench. And she sent this email to the faculty and staff that work here at this university saying that this is Angela waiting for her husband. I mean, it was, when I tell you it was awful, and at that time, I didn't think about going to HR, and I probably should have, but I didn't at that time. I'm really trying to deal with this from a spiritual standpoint, and I begin to, be, begin to realize, again, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with the spirit from the pit of hell, trying to lie to me about an area of my life that has been a struggle in my life, and I realize that I need to approach this thing from a very different standpoint. I need to approach this thing from the spirit. 
And I had to begin to pray according to that. And literally from that point forward, every time I went into a meeting, I would say, Lord, let me know what I'm dealing with today. Lord, let me know what I, how I need to pray today. How do I need to respond today? And here's, here's the interesting part. Even in the midst of that time, there was a man, and he wasn't a Christian at all. When I tell you at all. But he came to me. He said, you know what? I respect you. And so I didn't know where he was coming because he was an older man who worked in my department. And he's always got, you know, different funny ways how he sees the world. But he said, you know what? I respect you. He said, I see how this woman has been treating you. He said, but you know what? If I can say I've never met a real Christian, I met one in you. I didn't realize that how I was dealing with this situation, people were watching. And in the midst of that, people being able to give glory to God for a way that I was choosing to discern what was going on and being able to speak to something that I had to discern how to do it, how to handle it, not realizing all these people that were watching. And then then it came to the pinnacle. So then, unfortunately, our student numbers went down at this university, and so they needed to relieve some people of their duties. So they started relieving some part-time people. They relieved a few people in admissions, and then they came to the department heads. It's only two of us. Campus director called her into the office, said she needed to see what she's thinking is just a regular meeting. The campus president said, you know what? Now, I'm getting this from my, 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 my campus director. She told me after the fact. And she said that in that meeting, the campus director, I mean, the campus president said, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to relieve you from your, your position as department head. My campus director said her first response was, how in the world are you going to let me go and not let Angela go? It's supposed to be first one in, first one out. I've been here longer than her. I'm older than her. I got more experience. I can give more to this university than she can. She don't even know what she's doing. So she began to berate me all in front of the president. And the president, an unsaved man, said, you know what the difference is between you and Angela? She ain't causing discord in the body. The student body, I don't have discord from Angela. So that's why she is staying and you are going. They didn't even let her pack her stuff. They said, you know what? Take your purse. You can go ahead and go. We'll pack your things and call you back when your box is, is ready from your office. And here it is. You know, yeah. We praise God. It's sad that she lost the job. But at the same time, here we go. I, I, I want you to hear this now. Now, she lost her job, but prior to that time, after I even realized what I was dealing with, this same woman in her brokenness would still come to me and ask me to pray for her. She said, Angie, I'm going, with, going through this at home, and I'm looking at her like, girl, you just told me up and down in this meeting, and now you want me to pray for you? Didn't the Bible tell us to pray for our enemies, pray for those who despitefully use you? So I began to, I still had to pray with this woman. Didn't know that this day was already set in stone for her. Didn't know that this day was coming for her, but I had to still stand in my witness of who God is and begin to understand the discernment that God needed me to operate in, that even I had to discern between her soul and her spirit and begin to minister and have compassion for her brokenness, but still deal with the spirit that she was bringing in those, in those meetings. Now that takes some discernment for you to be able to manage the two because you're dealing with one person. So she left, and here's the, the glorious part of this, 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 uh, this, this uh, testimony, and I know my husband will come back and wrap it up, is that I left that job getting married. The very thing that she had attacked and berated about me, I stayed at that job for about three years, and the reason why I left was to go and marry my husband, move to South Africa, a man I did not have to sleep with before I figured out that he was sent from God, a man that God has sent just for me, and she had heard the news after the fact because she was already fired. And she came back even asking for a recommendation for another job because she couldn't find one and asked me if I would write a recommendation for her for another job, which I did. Because come on, I'm dealing with two people. You got to realize, because see, some of you are mad at the person and don't realize it's a spirit. You need to know the difference between the two because God still calls us to love the people. But you got to know what you're dealing with. 
And so I still wrote the recommendation for her, and she came back in and said, hey, I heard you're getting married. I said, yes, ma'am. I'm leaving in, I can't, December. I said, I'm leaving in December. She said, well, congratulations. I said, thank you. I didn't have to have a further conversation with her because I knew God had already done it. And here's the thing. I just thought, you know what? God is so wonderful in his grandeur. I didn't just get regular married. I got married to a South African. I got to leave the country and go live in another country. My husband and I, I had three weddings, four receptions. I mean, God said, you know what? If you're going to go out, I'm going to let you go out good. Amen. You can have a wedding in South Carolina. You can have a wedding in Jamaica. You can have a wedding in South Africa. You can have all of these different things because I want you to know that all of that hell you done been through, I'm repaying you for listening to me and being obedient. So some of y'all in here right now dealing with some of the same stuff, some of the same stuff in the workplace that you need to realize what you're dealing with. You need to discern what it is and who it is and make sure you still stand in your stead as a believer of Christ and make sure you still represent God for who he is and what he is in you. Don't let somebody take you out of character because we like saying that. Well, let me take off my Christian hat and then put it back on. No, 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 no. You can keep on your Christian hat and still deal with that devil because you're going to need to have that Christian head on to deal with that devil and deal with the person. Because I promise you, somebody is watching. Somebody is waiting for you to trip up. But I'm here to tell you that your witness is going to bring people in. I'm telling you, from that campus, students started asking me to pray for them. People started, even from the staff, started asking me to pray for them just because they saw how I handled the devil and the person. You need to discern between the two. Okay. Come, let's just stand to our feet. We're just going to trust the Lord and just begin to pray. We're going to just pray. I believe, as my husband has already said, that there are people in this room that you are dealing with situations, whether it's at work, whether it's at home. And I just believe that today is the day that those things that have had control over you are going to break. They're no longer going to have authority over your life, over your circumstance, over your workplace situations. Because now today you're going to leave smarter in the spirit. Because you're going to know now what you're dealing with. You're going to go back in. You need to say, God, what am I dealing with here? This one that keeps cutting me off in the meeting. I need to know what I'm dealing with here. This family member that always says such and such to me, God, let me know what I'm dealing with here. And you're going to have a spiritual keenness that you didn't have before because this morning you're leaving empowered and full of his spirit to know what you're dealing with. So in the name of Jesus, come on, let's just pray. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for the spirit of discernment. I thank you, Father, that every person in here is now aware of something that you've given them in the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of them, the spirit of discernment has been activated. I thank you, Father, that they will now go into the workplace, go into their homes, and I thank you, Father, they will be able to discern, they will be able to bind and loose everything that they need to. I thank you, God, that circles and cycles that they have been going around, they will no longer have to go from this day forward. It breaks in the spirit in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that every person in this room right now things that they've been dealing with in their household, things even that they've been dealing with in their health. I, spe I feel specifically for your health. The same sickness that keeps coming back and back and forth. I thank you, Father, that you will help them discern what's happening in their bodies. And they've been praying amiss. But from this point forward, you're going to reveal the very thing, the very root of that issue. And when they begin to call out the very root of that issue, I thank you, Father, that sickness will die. That sickness will leave. That sickness will break off with them in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare on this day, the body that leaves from this place will be free. We declare it to be so in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. And amen. Come on, can we give God praise for what he's done? You might not know what has happened this morning, but I promise you, you're leaving here lighter. You're leaving here freer. And as soon as that demon trying to raise head tomorrow at 8 o'clock, you said, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And have a good day at work. For the first time, maybe in a long time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. Give God some praise.